And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davison, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. Now, guys, we're going to talk today about the Eastern Conference over-unders. Again, we're using Westgate. Well, what, I mean, I don't know. Things may have shift, even shifted in the past week, perhaps. I have not been paying attention that much. But basically, since about a week ago, uh, we're going to go through the list of over-unders. And we're just gonna, we're going to say what we feel. We're going to say what we think. So, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and start with the. We're going to start with who Vegas deems like the, the top seed. We'll go down. And, and right now they have Boston, the Boston mm-hmm. Celtics, at 57 and a half wins. Last year, Boston 155. Obviously, all this without Gordon Hayward or with five minutes of Gordon Hayward. Ethan, what are you thinking as far as this Celtics team in relation to that over under? Going over. And I don't. I think this is one of the rare, like, high number overs that you can like almost guarantee. And I say that for this reason: when you are a team like the Celtics, who were outperforming their like, um, like their expected wins and stuff for years and years, um, since Brad Stevens got there, making Isaiah Thomas into an MVP, top five finisher, um. I just don't think this is a team that can underperform, and like they're not going to lose to to the bad teams. And I I include in that in that like teams like the Clippers, who aren't a great team by any means, but definitely aren't bad bad. But like they won't lose to the Clippers this year, and they'll play them twice. And like the Clippers should be competitive. They won't lose to the Magic, and I'm guessing they play them three or four. And I know they play them three or four times, and they probably won't lose to the Nets, even when you only have Jalen Brown on the roster, as we saw last year at the end of the season. Like, it's just one of those teams that doesn't lose to bad teams, and they're going to beat plenty of good teams because they have superstar, superstars. And with that in mind, I think this is an over. And for the tease from last week, this is a team that's going to go over 60 wins. <laughs> oh, wow. There you go. Those out there. And I kind of fall in line with Ethan when it comes to that. Chemistry maybe in the beginning, but, like, I mean, maybe, like, the first 10 games in my struggle with chemistry. Like, that's really all I see. But for me, the key for winning – like even over 60 games is beating those bad teams. And this is a perfect, I think they're built for the regular season because of their depth as well. They have a good depth problem, at least for this year. And that's going to help them out so much because they're going to have lineups. I mean, their second unit is, has the chance of being almost a starting quality caliber type of unit. That's what I see. It. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a fair assumption to make. I mean, like you think of their backup starting, you know, I guess, sorry, you think of their backup lineup. What teams in the Eastern Conference would that, would those people not beat as a starting lineup? Like, they would beat, they would probably beat the Hawks, right? I mean. Yeah, definitely. They'd they beat the Hawks. They'd, in the, the Bulls, they, I mean, they probably, you know, they probably could beat them. Knicks, depending on where they're at in the season. I mean, they're so deep. And if you're coached by Brad Stevens, you know, that helps as well. Like, we're rolling out a backup lineup of Rogier, Smart, uh, Morris, then Semi Ogilvy, and Aaron Baines. Like, yeah. what you're getting there is like just a really good defensive team. And you might not win games if they go over 100, but you're going to keep a lot of teams under 100, and you're going to have enough scoring power between Terrors, you off the dribble, um, Marcus Morris taking some inefficient shots, but making some. And Aaron Baines is going to bang corner threes, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, and that's the way I see it. And who knows, Brad Steve might even mess around, throw Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum in that bench unit. 
and switch one of those other guys for a starting. And then imagine if you have Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum just coming off the bench. Yeah, that's that's it's gonna be a scary team. It's a scary team. If everyone can stay healthy, it's a real scary team. Yeah. So shout, shout out to Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, Walt Lemon Jr. from Bradley University representing oh the Missouri Valley Conference. That doesn't happen all that often. So Elkin, you got them on the over, huh? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uh, over, definitely. Yeah, me too. I I think you know 50, you won 55 games last year. If you get anything from Gordon Hayward, uh, then it, that 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 can only help. And you know the East as a whole got worse. So. I, I'm, I'm about the over as well. Moving on here, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they, I guess as well as the Raptors, we'll talk about the Sixers, are projected with the second highest over under in the East uh, at 54 and a half wins. The previous year, uh, last year, Philadelphia won 52 games. Uh, what do you guys think here about uh, the over under? Well, let's go ahead and start with Elkin here. I'm going. I'm going under in this, and like, hear me out. The reason why, yes, they still have talent, but I don't see much improvement overall to the roster that that shows they're going to have a better team. I mean, you're going to have improvement in players such as Simmons and Embiid. You kind of want to see what you get out of Folds, but I almost feel like as though they're running back the exact same roster and expecting a lot better results. So let me just like play devil's advocate here, right? Okay, so LeBron's out of the conference. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't totally remember what their matchups were last year, but I mean, if they lost any, those are like basically automatic wins. Um, and you do expect to have improvement from, uh, you know, Joel, you know that that you know young improvement from Joel Embiid and from Ben Simmons, and you know getting anything from last year's number one overall pick, Markel Fultz, got to be helpful. You brought in Wilson Chandler as well for some added wing depth. And mm-hmm. I mean, th- that doesn't push them you know, three games or so. No, I really, even I think I struggle with what happened. And I know it has to do with the greatness of Brad Stevens. But even once they enter the playoffs, I haven't struggled. Just I don't like the team. Like if Ben Simmons is still going to be doing his. Let me go around. I'm going to try to post. I'm not really a post player. I'm going to do this. You know, I don't really believe in them. But then, of course. In the back of my mind, I'm like, this team is probably built for regular season because of having a guy like Ben Simmons who could just have a it could be a nightmare matchup. But I'm telling you, I'm not that impressed with what I saw from them. I feel like they needed one more to bring in another big piece during the summer. That's what I needed them to do. Ethan, what do you think? So my thoughts here are, and I don't like playing the health card, but like Joe Embiid had a really healthy season last year, and I think they'll be careful with him again, as they should. And I, I just don't think that they made big improvements. Wilson Chandler is kind of like the big move, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you – and I know they didn't play the whole year, but Irsanya Lesova and Marco Belnelli played an important role in floor spacing for this team. And what you did is you replaced guys like that with rookies in terms of Shake Milton on a two-way – uh, Landry Shermet, Zaire Smith, Marco Fultz getting to play. You know, it's now second season, and then Jonah Bolden down on the uh, like bigger side of things. You lost uh, Rashard Holmes, who was a decent energy big. You replaced him with Amir Johnson at the minimum. Like he's going to get those minutes still, and Mike Muscala, who is I guess a better shooter, but not really anything physical. I think the overall point I have is it's just going to be hard 
when now everyone sees you coming to replicate what you did and you're doing it with younger players now that that's can be a recipe to like take us a, a minor step back they might be a better playoff team because mm-hmm. of because i think defensively they should be better but because i think zaire smith's going to be a heck of a one-on-one defender but like much better than bellinelli but he's not going to bang threes and but you know he might step you know if he keeps his feet behind the line they might actually not have to waste confetti like they did last year wow so i need What's to check the- that Check that shoe size. See if he can keep that football on the line. What's the What's the return date for him for Zaire Smith? I'm looking that up right now. Um, but uh, but he, he, let me go while while that's happening. Would would have would Nemanja Bielitsa have done anything for this, or would it still have been kind of like a wash? I would have felt like like I'm feeling like they're going to win 50 games, not 54. So it's not like I think they're going to be bad or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm just. I mean, he might have made. I think he might have made me like think about going over just because that's yeah. a extra, that's an extra ball handler guy. I think they would use him like it basically like, but he also would just be Dario Saric that's not quite as good. So, like it's not like he had a perfect fit with this team. He was just gonna be Dario Insurance on my eyes. Well, I don't have a specific timeline. You know, the foot fracture is you know it's kind of difficult. Even if you do allow that to heal. Um, you know, you're not able to do tons on it. And so maybe being in basketball game shape, you know, be hard. Could, could, could be, could be difficult. So I wouldn't expect him uh, at least any time in the first half of the season to be doing anything real, you know, maybe by the end of the season, but then again, he's still a rookie. So um, yep. just un- unfortunate loss for the Sixers, man, sh- shouldn't attempted fate and sh- shouldn't have gotten rid of Mikel Bridges. Yeah. Mm. If you know what, if they had him, just because I think he's a more of established shooter, that's another thing that would have like pushed me closer to going over. I just, I don't know if I would have, but like he's just you know he played in college for three years and was a solid shooter for two of them. Yeah, I have, I have a bit of faith in that jump shot. Yeah. Well, I I'm gonna be on board with both of you guys. I, I also believe ah, in the over. I, I was I was just trying I to you, just, were, you were playing it for the over. Nah, I was just, guy, just trying to stir the pot a little bit, trying, trying to make it interesting know. because so far with, with you know the top two teams, we're all kind of you know we got a lot of groupthink going on. So I'm just trying to you know stir the pot a little bit, make make you think a little bit. But yeah, I just like what have they done really to Im- improve all that much? I don't know. And with this team, we've seen them, you know, have the injury bug over and over and over again. Um, and I know that we're assuming injury uh, you know, health for, for most people, like, unless your name is Chandler Parsons. But, <laughs> you know, m- maybe Embiid, you know, there's a little bit of regression in that way. You know, maybe we're already seeing it happen with, with Zaire Smith. And so we, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I, I think it's not ridiculous to think that they'll win 50 games, but maybe they're not going to be hitting 55. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. All right. Well, let's go to the Raptors. They're, they're uh, I guess, also kind of tied for a second here at 54 and a half wins on the over under. Um, Ethan, let's go to you here first on this one. What are your thoughts with this Raptors team, this new revamped Raptors team? What do you think? Oh, if there was one player off this roster, I'd love this team. Ooh, I know exactly who that player is. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't uh, know who it is. Is it uh, is it Van Fleet? No, oh, Van, Van Fleet is fine. Van <laughs> Fleet is fine. 
No, it's it's the one and only Serge Ibaka that just yes kills me inside. Um, but here's the thing: I think this team has uh, maybe second. Like you can put a lineup out there that has like top defense in the league potential. That would include Siakam, Anubi, Leonard, Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry, and that's probably not a bad scoring lineup either. And with that, with that in mind, I I want the over on this team. I also think Jonas Valanciunas make is a good regular season center. I think he's going to be a nice stabilizing force for this team early in the season, because when Kawhi is trying to like figure out where he needs to take his shots and get in his moments, and Lowry and him are working out their dynamic, I think Jonas Valanciunas is going to have a nice little time being like just that reliable. You know, this is 15 points a night. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, like, I, I like this. I think OG Ananobi is going to probably – he'll probably take some strides offensively, might be able to do a few more creative things. Uh, De'Lon Wright is, and Fred Van Vliet are going to dominate bench units again. Uh, C.J. Miles, don't forget about him in terms of – he's going to mm-hmm. bang threes in the regular season anyway. Um, Danny Green is a huge upgrade in terms of any kind of defensive two-guard they've had. Like, obviously – you know, DeRozan's great offensively, but Danny Green is like one of the he makes more stops on like two on ones and one like one on one in transition than I've ever seen anybody. And that's you know, for a guy who's pretty pretty slender six six, it's impressive stuff. Yeah, I mean for me again, we're we're assuming health here. And so I and I think in my opinion, I think that um, you know, Kawhi Leonard will actually be back and if if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, if Kawhi Leonard is, is actually back playing basketball, then this is an obvious upgrade from a Toronto Raptors team that went that won 59 games last year. And so in, in my eyes, if I'm assuming that Kawhi Leonard is going to be anything like he was in the past, anything like that, then I, I can't help but think that this, that this team is going to be very, very good. And especially in a regular season, like there's some people on this team that are regular season type of players, like you mentioned JV. Um, And so I I think that they, especially in a depleted Eastern conference outside of basically the, the few teams we mentioned, maybe a couple of more, like I feel like this team, again, like you said, defensively is set to run with anybody and offensively, you know, I I think that they've got that. They're going to really have some interesting things. Just, can we make sure that Kawhi Leonard is actually there and he's smiling the whole way through it? We'll see. Man, I just I put the under. I mean, first of all, Kawhi's been gone for a while. I I need to see a lot of Kawhi. That's the biggest thing where I'm getting. I really need to see. There's going to be some rust. I don't know how long the rust is going to be. The players who have sat out almost an entire year, they almost need close to an entire season. To get back. Now, I know Kawhi's different. Kawhi didn't sit out the entire year. He played like, what, like nine games? Thing eight, like nine. Eight, nine games. Yeah, he played that, but it's a new team. If Kawhi's not back to where he needs to be, it's going to take him a while. And I know you guys bring a point of great regular season team, but I see, I see like 50 games for this team. That's where I see him at. I think they're going to lose to some of the middle of the pack teams. I think they're going to lose more to those teams, and they're going to lose some wins there. 
But also, I'm going to tell you guys this, coming from a very, very biased Pacers fan who has had a strong dislike of the Raptors of recent years. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> and that's my history with them. And, of course, it's been documented, the little back and forth. But that's where, right now, Kawhi is my big question mark. For me, I see it swinging Kawhi's way in a not-so-good tendency. That's what I'm worried about, that things just aren't going to work out at first and they might need – either entire year or close entire year to figure out Kawhi. I guess I just am higher on like what Lowry can do mm-hmm. with the bench mob. And then also just having comp like Greg Monroe is not a, a, a ideal center for any kind of playoff matchup, but in terms of regular season stuff, like him and Valanciunas kind of makes sense as a, as a pairing for, you know, 40 minutes a game. And then you let some other bum play the eight, eight minutes at some point. <laughs> Um, but you know, like I don't think Jakob Pearl's a real loss there. Like you know, he's 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 a solid young center prospect, but you're not really losing anything in that aspect. And then DeRozan, like he, he's killer in the regular season, and like maybe I, I get I get that's why you probably don't think they're going to get up to 55. But I I just think Kyle Lowry's and Valanciunas especially are good enough to carry this team early in the season, and it's just going to be like you know. Like a, a shot in the arm when it, it comes to uh, Kawhi Leonard, like rounding the form. I don't think he needs to be Kawhi Leonard of two years ago when uh, when he gets back. He just needs to be a, a, a three and D guy. And I don't I don't think you for, you forget how to shoot a basketball like and just make spot up shots. And I I personally think that they're gonna set something up where he does not have the ball in his hands all that often because even DeRozan last year, the beginning of the regular season, the offense was not just going straight through him it was very much a ball movement offense and people just getting open shots i like how you said you don't just forget to shoot a jumper as if we didn't just talk about markel fultz in, in the philadelphia 76 <laughs> outliers richard okay outliers Man, there's always those outliers but, no, could, but- could, could, could Kawhi forget to shoot a ball not in san antonio with with with, with the famed shooting coach that they have over there I don't know. He looked he looked pretty good in Golden shooting in Golden State right before he uh, landed on Zaza's foot. Okay, fair. Um, all right. Anything else we got to say about this, or can we move on to? Let's move on. Ah, Elkin wants to move on because we're going to move on to the Indiana Pacers, yes, who sir. who last year won forty eight games. Mm-hmm. This year, the over under is at forty six and a half wins, guys. What is going on with this line? <sighs> well, first of all, we know about the line that they set for them last year because I was one of the people who chose the under. I remember <laughs> clearly where they had that. I think it was around like 31 games mm-hmm. for the Pacers, over under 31 and a half, and I was like definitely under, but prove me wrong. I think I'll tell you this. There's still some question marks. I like some of their signings, but for me there's still some question marks in, if, in some of those signings. I still don't know about one Kyle Quinn. I don't know. For me, I would have given all those minutes, taken Al Jefferson minutes and given them to Sabonis. I would have just said, hey, Sabonis, play the more off the bench. Just get your minutes in and develop. When you bring in Kyle Quinn, the only thing I can see Kyle Quinn is you want to bring in another veteran presence because you just want to. But then a McDermott, we, we need a shooters. I'll take him. And Tyreek Evans, I mean, another ball handler. I'll tell you this, the Pacers, are. there's probably going to be some games at home that they're going to they're gonna miss out on winning without the Lance effect. 
Like Lance Stevenson at home won the Pacers a few games. I'll say that. But with saying all this, I'm Pacers optimistic person, fan. I'm going for the over. Pacers are going to go for 50 because they went with, we're going to pretty much run it back minus one person and add the other few pieces. That's all they went for. But now I'm getting scared of my own pick now, and I'm starting to doubt that. Uh, but I think they can go over 46. I think they can do – they might even just repeat last year's record and go for 48 and 34 again. But I'm optimistic about them this year, but it might backfire on me. I'm scared now. Okay. I think I might have jinxed them. Um, Elkin, would you say that the Pacers are a really good th- or a good sh- three-point shooting team last season? Or, like, where, where would you put them in the in the pack of, like, three-point shooting teams? Like, how confident were you? Not that confident. We were not a strong three-point shooting team. How about that? By percentages, you were fifth in the league last year. Wow. Whenever Derek I looked, was awesome last year. I know, but whenever I looked at him, I'm like, man, it seems like we don't have that many good three-point shooters. I mean, we have Bojan, and then we have Darren Collison. And then for me, I was like, who else? Yeah. Um, here, here's my thing. Um, I want to pick the over really bad. And I'm, I'm not sure. That, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that I won't. But go ahead. But the thing is, I, 48 seems like what they're going to do again. Because I think there's a certain amount of regression in, involved with a Darren Collison and some of these other, like more of their role players, like a Bojan. I think Tyreek Evans makes up for that. And really it comes down to how much is that guy, that big guy, Miles Turner, going to improve. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't improve, I don't feel comfortable picking it over because while I think obviously the Cavs are going to give you more wins, I think the Pistons are going to be better. I mm-hmm. think the Hornets will be more competitive. I don't know if they're going to win any more games necessarily, but they're going to be more competitive and I think scarier on a night-to-night basis. Uh, I think the Nets are going to be improved in terms of their competitiveness. And I think the Knicks are going to be sneaky good in like in certain matchups. And I think the Pacers are a team that won't match up well with them just because of um, not having a strong d- defensive wings. And I think I think that, that Knox kid is going to be good. Um, but like uh, the Bucks are going to be a lot better because they're going to have a real coach. <laughs> and I'm going to take the over here. However, I do it begrudgingly, and I want everyone to know that. No. I want everyone to know that I am boldly picking the over for the Indiana Pacers. Have we so forgotten that this is the team that almost sent LeBron James home packing in the first round? Almost did it. It was almost there. This team won 48 games last year and added a couple pieces. Didn't really come on. Lance is not really that much of a subtraction. I, I get the hometown feels and all that. All the, like, listen, Lance Stevenson is a bad basketball player. He's not wow. good. So if for as many games as he may have won you, I'm sure he lost you that many games too. Sir. So that is, that is the second leading score in New York high, State high school basketball you're talking about. That's fine. Yeah. He's awful now, okay? Just an <laughs> awful defender. Just, you know, listen. All I got to say is this. This is a team that won 48 games last year. This is a team that did not get worse. Actually went out and got a couple of pieces. And the East as a whole, they played the Cleveland Cavaliers multiple times because they're in the same division. And the Cavs are much worse. So much worse. And yes, the Pistons you know, may have 
Merrick maybe creeping up a little bit, but let's let's be honest. They're not they're, they're the Pacers are the best team in that division, in my opinion. I will talk about the Bucks here in a second, but listen, I'm pounding the over there. I I definitely I think the Pacers are gonna hit 50 wins. And um I I, I'm, I understand, Elkin, you got to you got to like creep, you know, slowly around it because you don't want to jinx it. Listen, I'm hitting the over. You can be confident in that. They win, they're going to win 48 games. It's still, that's hitting the over. I like, know. Like, they are. how does that's... the over go down? That's my question is, how does the over go down? The reason why it goes down is because there's not many people from Indiana regression. better. Regression. That's what the that's the word. Regression. Yeah, LeBron leaves. I, I'll that that's the regression that I'm going to take. Anyways, the All other right. team, yeah. I guess that that's in that you know central division, Milwaukee Bucks. They won 44 oh, wow. games last year. They're also at that 46 and a half win mark. Ethan, let's go to you because I feel as though you're thinking maybe you know you have some thoughts about this team. Um, they, they, cut, they cut Brandon Jennings, so I have no faith in their front office. Oh, all. okay. Um, but I think what it comes down to is I think Giannis is going to have an improved season. <sighs> it's hard. It's hard to pick the under, but I really kind of want to just because I I don't see where their direct improvement came from minus Antetokounmpo's development. Because of their cap situation, they they lost a valuable player in Jabari Parker, who offensively can win you a game or two with his his pop off the bench. Who, take, who takes his minutes now? Who takes Jabari Parker's minutes? Uh, it's gonna be Ilya Sova, mm-hmm. and then I get I guess it comes down to like, well, was was Jabari playing a center role like with? Uh, or is onto Takumbo as center? You know, it's just like who's really playing like what positions and who's going to get more minutes. And it comes down to it's going to be either you're going to play more three guard lineups now that you've added Pat Connaughton and rookie Dante DiVincenzo. Sterling Brown, I think, will get more minutes this year. And with with Giannis making up for so many people's mistakes, I oh, Brooke Lopez will get a lot of those minutes because he, like, he can play a similar offensive role in terms of he's going to catch and shoot and then also get some ISO situations. Like you can kind of comp that because it's not going to be the same type of ISO, but it's the same thing. You know, he's getting the ball and doing work. But at 40, 46 seems like the right number to me. And But it's 46 and a half, Ethan. And. After- best you're expecting and you're not including health as a problem problems that can occur i'm gonna go under here and be sad because i want so much for this team they're gonna have a better they're gonna have a better coach but i think they did lose a lot of talent and i am not a believer in eric bledsoe at all anymore and i also don't believe in any of their other guards other than shooting potential so this team's got to win with defense and Chris Middleton's got to bang every game winner for him. <laughs> oh so, my gosh! So I, I got I got a little bit of a hot take. All right. right, and my hot take is: Are we sure Mike Budenholzer's that good of an NBA head coach? Yes. Are we sure? Yes. What 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 gives you the uh... games with the Hawks? You'll win sixty games being bad. 
Okay, okay. But after that, it's been the slow decline. Basically. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, I, I get why you won 24 games this past year. Alfred Horford is so good. Remember that. Don't ever forget it. He was good in Atlanta, too. Just saying. Richard's just saying. I mean, I took the under two, buddy. Okay, that's fine. I am not a believer uh, that um, Coach Budenholzer. Now, let's be fair. We gave Joe Prunty a, a, a lot of crap this this uh, he was bad know, this past year. He was not. He was not great. Yeah, uh, Jason Kidd also very bad. So, like, let's be clear. It can't be worse than that. But I just don't see necessarily how this Milwaukee Bucks team. Has improved all that much. Ersan Ilyasova, other than taking many charges, like I, I would just, I just don't believe in in this team as a whole. I think that their front office. I agree with you, Ethan. Their front office. I, I don't love the moves that their front office has made. I think that there's that they were a lot of things they could have possibly done, but in each move that they've made, I've just questioned. I just have not had that much faith in. So, I. I don't know. I, I just I just want to go the under here. I don't believe in this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team. I'd have to check some stats, and I, I don't know if I can do it quickly enough, but like I do feel like players like Thon McCurr and Tony Snell had really down years last year, and I could I would expect, just because I think they'll have a better system, they'll be more involved, I could see both those guys having up big upticks in terms of production and like efficiency. But I don't know if it's enough to make up for the fact that you lost a legitimate twenty, like like twenty point potential a night scorer. And while he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't average that or anything. He, you had people trembling when he would step out there and get going. So, you know, with that in mind, I, I, I can't feel as confident as I want to be about about this. Do we think that if he would have never injured, gotten an ACL injury? The previous season that the Bucks would have just go on ahead and kept them. I mean, it, I think it's a chance. It's not a perfect fit, and then that's the biggest problem. But you know, the Bulls just took a chance on him, and he's uh, he's not a perfect fit there either. But I mean, I, it, it's just one of the things. Like, how how much of winning basketball can Jabari Parker contribute to when he doesn't play any defense? And like, you know, if if, if he's in the mold of a Carmelo Anthony in terms of body type and like kind of skill set, minus like he's not a, a plus shooter like Carmelo was. Like, but Mello, when he was younger, and Nuggets Mello played defense, and Jabari has not figured that part out at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like, you you want you have to you want you want to retain that kind of potential, but when it's not producing for you, it's it's hard to it's hard to justify. You know. Moving on. There, Washington Wizards last year won forty three games, forty three and thirty nine. This year, they are set for the over-under of 44.5. Ethan, John Wall could play the whole year. They got Dwight Howard. What does this make you think? They're over, 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 over. They're going to cover this by a long shot. I have no doubt this team will not go under 44 wins. They will go over 44.5 wins. Because Dwight Howard, this is the year that he puts it all together. <laughs> this is the year. <laughs> this is the year. Finally, after like four seasons, 
This is the year that he, he takes that stride towards being Kevin Durant and uh, Anthony Davis, as it were. He's gonna he's he's gonna he's modeling his game after guys who came in the league years after he did. <laughs> no, here's what it comes down to, guys. I think uh, I think John Wall is gonna he's like no matter what, Dwight Howard physically is an upgrade from Gortat, and it doesn't matter if they get along because Gortat and Wall didn't get along, and they played. They had one of the better pick and roll combos for the last like four, four or five years, and I think if they can get Markeith to play some center minutes, like come closing lineup time, get Ubre and Porter on the court. Um, I'm not a big fan of Troy Brown, the rookie, but like his athleticism is much needed. Um, you know, this is a team that's rolled like Marcus Thornton out as like a, a small forward shooting guard attempt, and that does not work out so well. Um, I, I just I like a lot about this team. I, I do wish they would have done better with that draft pick, like someone who can contribute a little bit more now. But I think if you can, if Troy Brown can be enthused, you're gonna have uh, some decent production from him. And buddy, this team is hitting the over. Um, I would I would say I am. I would not. I would not be surprised if they win more games than the Pacers. Can't believe you said that. Uh, I mean, I had to pick a team that would like really like stick in the craw of somebody, you know what I'm saying? And I, I definitely would say more than the Bucks, but the Pacers are the next one on the list, so like I had to just bump up. All right, I'm going. I'm trying the opposite way with them. I think this is the year it finally all comes to an end with the John Wall Bradley Beal experiment. I'm going. This is the year where everything just no, nothing is clicking. John Wall suffers. He's playing, but he can't click with Dwight Howard. Instead of running pick and rolls, Dwight Howard still wants to go back to the post, waiting for the post-entry pass, and it just goes gets worse and worse and worse and worse and below that 44-and-a-half uh, line, and that's what I'm going for. Finally, this is the year where they decide to separate John Wall and Bradley Beal. That's what I'm going Okay, so I'm also going the under. You are insane. <laughs> you are and, literally yes. insane. And this yes. team got listen, so much better. Listen, and it's literally because of one Dwight Howard quote. <laughs> it's literally because of one Dwight. Like, I can't. The, the one that he seemed like he was high as a kite, making all those like stupid connections. Where he said, I learned magic for eight years. <laughs> Went to La La <laughs> Worked for a while with the Rockets, learned to fly with some Hawks, got stung by the Hornets, and it uh, all taught uh, me how to be a wizard. Let's come on. This team had so, and I know we got rid of Martin Gort, um, Marcin Gortat because I know that was an issue. But like, how is Dwight? Dwight Howard is. I just can't see a way that he fits into a team like and is about the t- the team concept anywhere. Like. Not just here, not just because it's Washington, but it's anywhere. And I just don't see it happening. I, I see him wanting to get weird post touches and, and wanting to, you know, want, wanting to maybe even take threes and other, other ridiculous stuff. And, well, I know we're assuming health. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, the, these Washington Wizards uh, guards, they, they, they scare me a little bit. And so... Yes. For me, 
Pretty sure Bradley Beal's never played less than 50 games in a season. Uh, it's, it's fair. It's fair. But he's, 55 is the lowest amount of games he's played in a season. It's fair. But I'm not thrilled with John Wall's knee. Not thrilled with the picture that John Wall took a, a few weeks ago where he just looked like death. But you guys didn't see that? Team USA? Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. I saw okay. Regardless, I I just don't feel that comfortable with this Wizards team as a whole. Uh, I I get I let me say this, Ethan. I understand why you want to pick the over. I, I get it, and I understand why you really want to pound the over. It makes tons of sense for me. There's just something about this team that just like red lights that say eh, don't don't do that. Just listen, listen. Okay, so. Last year, we got super excited when Tomas Sedaransky put together a good month. And then they put Ty Loss, like they, they just went and benched him, basically. You're right. But, like, okay, while Austin Rivers is not a good, there's not a great point guard, he is a serviceable backup point guard. But will he, he want to be a backup point guard? He's not going to take John Wall's job. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. Here's okay, Richard. People be confident. <laughs> Guys, oh my god! You don't understand how you don't get this. Their smallest player is now John Wall, who is a freak. Like he is now their smallest player on their team. Him and Austin Rivers. Like this team is gonna have some really interesting defensive potential between like everyone on this team. I'm looking for the worst athlete. It's gonna be Thomas Sadaransky and then Jason Smith and Ian Mihimi. But those guys, none of those guys technically have to play if you don't want to. Either though Sadaransky should play. Jeff Green, who doesn't have to play big minutes, he just has to play a few minutes. You got Otto Porter, who's gonna just you know do his thing. He's gonna get fourteen points and six rebounds and one assist. Kelly Oubre is gonna improve. Like you have so much young talent on this team, and then Dwight Howard, and I think that's the only thing you guys are getting hung up on, and it doesn't make sense. Dwight Howard is a totally serviceable player in this league, and everyone looks better with John Wall passing the ball to. I just want to say you, you you made a mention of or someone made a mention of does um does Jabari Parker contribute to winning basketball? Does Dwight Howard contribute to winning basketball at this stage of his career? That that's just my that's just my biggest question. And and so anyways, let's let's move on to a team that might make you a little bit happier with the discussion that that you know that will ensue. Miami Heat, Ethan. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to give you the floor right now. Go ahead, and, <laughs> go ahead and tell us everything that we need to know about the Miami Heat this year. How's this team going to get worse? Is the only question I have. Like, they, they, they didn't do anything different in terms of like they didn't bring anyone new. They didn't get rid of anyone. Um, I guess the one thing you could say is like, they do a they do a cap maneuver to get under the luxury tax. It's going to be probably someone that's a contributor to this team, even if it is someone like Hassan um, Whiteside, who you can look at in different ways and spin him into being a negative, which I, I don't think he is just yet. Um, but this is the point I have. Um, we don't have a functional backup point guard, but between a potentially Deion uh, Waiters, Dwayne Wade, Justice Winslow, and a healthy James Johnson, who had a hernia the entire season last year, like that's not easy to play with. So a lot of his like there's there's no Stephen Curry dunks last year where he, like you know he just destroyed Stephen Curry at the end of the end of the uh, second quarter I believe. I just like where this team's at in terms of their personnel. I think they have a lot of diversity. Um, I think Bam Adebayo takes a big step and he's going to be in, in some closing lineups this year. And I I just like where this team's at defensively. I like Derek 
Jones Jr. if he can come back from his little ankle setback. Like he's going to be flying all over the place. Um, really, it just comes down to who's going to be moved. Is it going to be Tyler Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, or a James Johnson slash Deion Waiters? And I think it really depends on what Dwayne Wade decides to do and how players play around him. Because I think Tyler is the one they would like to move because of his salary, but he's also most difficult. Whereas Dion, if he comes back and plays effectively, he might be very easy to move. And also there's a bit of redundancy with Dwayne Wade. So I, it, it comes down to who gets traded and when, but this team's going to win. This team's going to win more than 41. Games. They're going to win. Like they're going to win 44. And that's what it's going to be. So let's just say they do go ahead with the trade. What package would you want them to receive for a Dion Waiters? For Dion Waiters, I would just like to have a pick that I can trade again later. Mm. I'm saying like it, it doesn't have to be anything super super good because Deion Waiters is like probably like I know have you guys heard Daniel LaRue talk about the Nene test where you the, the contract is like at value and like yeah. that's where he's at basically to me like he is your like I don't think him and Tyreek Evans are any different of players in terms of quality just they play a little bit different like Tyreek is more of a a uh, facilitator like a smooth facilitator and a, a better, a probably better catch and shoot guy. Whereas Deion Waiters will get to his own shot even more effectively, and he, he he gambles too much for passes, but he can still set people up pretty well. Like especially when him and Goran were like just driving kick game, it was pretty pretty bad last year. Um, I think he I think he's valued a value contract. He's right at that value. Like he's eleven million dollars is what he's worth, and that's what he gets paid. So right. and I will say this. I mean, I do like him at the at the over as well. I really want to see Derek Jones Jr. develop for you guys. Just from what I saw when he started getting more playing time with the Heat, even with his shortened summer league play, he's a guy that once he figures out, and you can even see with an improved jump shot. We already know the athleticism, the length is there. Improved jump shot. He's not going to worry about being fit because, I mean, Pat Riley's going to put him on that system where all he plays be fit. And then he's, I think once he bulks up more and he starts doing that, you're going to have a solid team, but now it's – at that point, it's just – I'm look, go ahead. I'm, if I may ask, I'm not even worried about him being bulking up because I have a dream of a defensive mm-hmm. lineup that includes him, Richardson, Winslow, James Johnson, and Bam Abadayo. And you just have everyone out there. Like, you have Winslow, Johnson, and Richardson who can really facilitate the offense. And then you have Richardson as your main shooter. But bam, like just eating up like everything inside. Like it'd be super switchy. You might have a little trouble scoring, but that that hopefully Derek Jones Jr.'s jump shot comes around. But that that I have a dream of seeing that lineup this year where everyone is like six six to six six ten or six nine, I think Bam is. <laughs> but like just everyone can switch, everyone can muscle people minus Derek Jones Jr. And it just I think it'd be a really fun lineup to see. And that's that's my dream. Yeah, and then, of course, I know right now management's probably one of those big contracts to come off the books somehow, but I think they're heading the right way. I did like that that BAM pick, and I think that's going to help. For me, in my mind, I want to see what BAM can develop into. I, I know I know Whiteside's going to want his minutes, but I want BAM really getting in there. Yeah, I I, I still love Hassan in a, in a lot mm-hmm. of I love him at 20, you know, $24 million or whatever, $25 million this year. But I, I still believe in the guy, and like it, it, it did kind of hurt me drafting Bam for that reason because I didn't want to move on. But like Bam is like a, a future center kind of piece, and it, man, if we didn't have Kelly Olynyk, we could just play him both twenty four minutes a game, and we'd just be fine. But 
Kelly Olenek is apparently just. All right, Richard, what you thinking about it? I'm going to hit the over. I don't need to say much about it, but I like this team won 44 games last year. They're bringing back Deion Waiters. Um, yeah, they have a log jam of two guards, but who cares? Uh, I, I mean, at this point, all these teams we've mentioned are going to be playoff teams uh, because the like after this next team that we'll mention, like it, you just begin to drop off in, in my opinion. And so like, this is going to be a playoff team and I, and this is going to be a team that's over 500. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see any situation where even if, you know, something happens and bam, isn't playing, I just don't see a situation where they aren't a 500 team. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Hit the over. The only injury that could like really derail something just because he is such an effective get everyone in the right spots kind of guy, you know. That's like the only thing. That's fair. Let's move on to the who Vegas has as the eight seed. So, so this is rounding off the playoff, uh, who, who they envision as playoff teams, the Detroit Pistons, my Detroit Pistons, who last year, uh, was, was a sad year. We won 39 games and Vegas gives us 37 and a half wins. And, but that, that that's, but they have us at, at the eight seed, but they have that as the number of wins fellas. Can you feel the disrespect with, with, with this over under line? I, I mean, I don't want to keep talking like just, but maybe I'll just merge into give my explanation. I'm hitting the over guys because 37 and a half wins seems to be, Way, way low. I I don't disagree with them that we might be the eight seed. That, that That's fine. I, I get that prediction. That's okay with me. I don't need to be the fourth or fifth. Like, I'm okay with this, but I yeah. feel as though the win total is too low. Uh, I feel as though you know, we, we, brought, we had Blake Griffin for about a third of the year last year, and even, even that, he, at the end of the year, we're like, well, let's go ahead and just We'll, we'll put him on, on ice and, and save him for the next year. So for me, we lost we lost really one person of value, who, who I do think is valuable. We lost Anthony Tolliver, his ability to, to shoot threes. The We do not have a viable backup power forward. We don't. Um, maybe John Luer would be available. He's He had a little bit of a surgery this offseason as well. We, we hope, we think he'll be available by the start of the season. But here's the point, guys. Um, this team, if we assume even like 60 games from Reggie Jackson, from uh, Blake Griffin, you know, from basically those two guys that the guys are worried about, if we assume health to, to that level from those two guys, this is a team that definitely reaches what they uh, what they reached last year uh, of 39 wins. So I don't understand why it's at 37 and a half. I think it just comes down to your lack of shooting from, you know, multiple positions. You're basically looking at, uh, plus shooters being hopefully Glenn Robinson, the third, Luke Kennard, and Reggie Bullock as you're like, those guys are going to play in every game. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, like that, that, that decreases your variance in games that are going to be more difficult to win, right? Like you're, you're less likely to upset a Houston, a Golden State, or a, a Boston Celtics team when you don't have a team that's just going to light it up from three. Well, that's true. I will say Andre Drummond has owned the Boston Celtics. Uh, like, just, just like Mike Hassan Whiteside you know, has in the past. Like, it's just, just yeah. like we have the type of center that just destroys um, you know, Al Horford and them. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I get what you're saying. 
I just think like how how can they how can they assume less no. wins than last year after last year's train wreck of a season? And I I agree with you. I th- I think this team is looking looking like a 500 team. Yeah. And I I will t- I will be taking the over as well. I I it's, it's just it's it comes down to health and like we don't like to do that, but like that's what it right. comes down to with this team because if Blake Griffin's out, this team stinks. It's fair. It's very fair. You have like a Tobias Harris. You don't even have like, you have no like legitimate one on one score if you don't have Blake Griffin. Like I don't believe in Reggie Jackson like you do. I I, I know you don't, but anyways, Elkin, what do you think? Now I'm kind of the same boat. Just seeing what Blake Griffin and Andre Dummer. Dumbin, I'm gonna call him Dumbin. Insulting, wow. Wow. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. They play in the same division. Sometimes the hate spews out. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, for me, I'm just thinking where they really complement each other. One thing I like about both Drummond and Blake Griffin is how they're able to work within the flow of the offense and able to set up other guys and how they're able to at least be like top of the foul line. And Blake, he spread out. I mean, I know some people were upset when Blake started shooting more. But it helps Drummond out because Drummond may not have the range yet, but Drummond has good playmaking ability. And I like having those two guys that they can set up your other guys. And, of course, with rebounding, they already got that on lockdown. And health. That, for me, is health is a big thing. Just seeing those guys healthy. I mean, can't say much. You're a division rival. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to give them those compliments. And I'm so bitter about game two of the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to say. Hmm. Let me just say, when he when Blake Griffin was a Detroit Piston, he shot thirty five percent from three. Mm-hmm. Not, bad. Not bad at all. And Not you, bad. you take it. You you would think that he could improve that. Like this this is the kind of time in people's career when you you can make improvements like that, um, especially with the way you know he's made drastic improvements. Like he he was wasn't confident in taking fifteen footers you know six years ago, mm-hmm. and now that like that like it's turned into like his go to shot. Um, I think what I would really like to see from this team play style-wise is really get Stanley Johnson and Glenn Robinson involved as screeners for Blake Griffin. Free him up just that extra little bit so he can use athleticism even more to his advantage. Either he's like coming off like a pin down to catch the ball like uh, above the break to, to catch and shoot and finish like, you know, bang some threes in rhythm or catch it with that extra step to just drive in and either dish or dunk. And that's what I want to see Blake Griffin get back to this year. I want to see him go dunk. Like, you athleticism and kill some people. Because, like, I feel like his biggest problem is he's going in there soft sometimes, and he's just – his finesse game is not quite as good, which is why I think sometimes we see him struggle from free throws. We see him struggle with his mid-range shots sometimes. It's sometimes his, his, his finesse is just not quite as good as his power. And I want to see him get back to the power games. I th- I still think this guy is MVP level potential, while not probably ever going to get there. Obviously, I'll just let you know I'm really excited about this season. Um, but that's why that's how I feel most years, except you know, m- most recent years. Fake trade idea: John Luer, Langston Galloway for Tyler Johnson. And you guys, do you have any picks to send me? Like we couple, have. We have. have a- a couple seconds. We have literally no second round picks. No, literally none for the next like five years. We're out. You're just like the Miami Ethan. <laughs> we're, we're totally out. We have our first round picks. We have our first. We just have no second round picks at um, all. 
Yeah. On the Pistons, I don't know if Tyler Johnson, while he would be a huge upgrade to your guard rotation, I don't know if that's the kind of trade that's worth it, you know. Yeah. But it was an idea, though, because I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, you could probably throw us, like, Henry Ellison, who we could take and then decline his next option if the money had to work, you know. Listen, we we'll, just cut him. You know, you don't see, you don't, you personally don't seem thrilled with Kelly Olynyk. We will take him. <laughs> well, like that, that, but that would include, like, that would be a harder trade though. Then you have to like include Ish Smith and Glenn Robin. Like, it'd be, it, that would make it a lot more difficult. You can hold on. You can hold on to Tyler Johnson. We'll just take. We'll just take him. Well, no, I don't want to do I, that. I, I understand. I want some value. If you give me both first round picks, then okay, we'll talk. Well, for continuing on because we we we've spent a lot of time. We may need to speed up the last few these last few teams. That's that's fine. That's fine. So uh, let's go to the Charlotte Hornets. They won 36 games last year. They're at 35 and a half uh, this year. Um, they lost Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. Let's we'll open it up for for discussion and debate. He's better than Frank Kaminsky. He's better than uh, Willie Hernan Gomez at this stage. Still, he's the only big man. He's not better than is Cody Zeller. I think on that team. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, I, I think Kimba Walker, like he's going to be on the trade block once again. Um, this is a new, new team. I don't, I don't think that the adding, adding Tony Parker makes a difference for like the state of the franchise. Um, I, I, Malik Monk could make an improvement, but like how much, how much is that doing for you? Like you're basically asking these guys who haven't shown a whole lot to really show out once again. Like, like, this is one of those teams that could, you know, have a hot month and, like, all of a sudden you see them power through it because Miles Bridges is going to give you some good minutes. And Biombo might, you know, have a little bit of a decent year just, you know, playing in a – I don't know. He's still going to be playing this super crowded front court. I don't know. I, I can't feel confident about anything about this team just because I don't know what to expect from some of these guys who uh, are a little overpaid and – Kimball Walker's in the last year and could be gone. Yeah, but that's the thing with me. I might just try to just say, hey, goodbye, Kemba. It was nice. Let's try to go ahead and get a really good draft pick. I know the this is is this upcoming year, 2019 lottery, going to be the first year that we have the new system in place, the lottery system? Where, yeah. Where you don't have to have as uh, – you don't have to tank quite as hard to get it. Have it yeah. Because, I mean, if I was them, I would try to go ahead and just – this is the season where you trade some contracts. and Go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead. If there's something you want to do. Can we take a walker to the Pacers? Can we do it? <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's actually a trade I've done in 2K. I traded uh, – what would be the package? Let me hear the package that you think the Pacers will have to offer up. It'd probably be Collison and then – you know, you get TJ leave to cover the money to two twelve million, and probably send out a first. That's or actually- you send you send back uh, your your most recent, you know, Aaron Holiday. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm thinking you got to send back multiple young players and a first because I mean, it, it sucks that it might just be a rental, but it, if you do this trade early enough in the year, it could really swing the power, and then I would pound the over for the Pacers. I'll tell you this: that's actually the exact trade that I did. In my GM with the Pacers, one leaf, uh, 2019 first round, uh, Darren Collison, and the Hornets accepted that happily. 
let me just tell you that it's I've all I too have traded with the Pistons with the Hornets and I'll tell you the the package that I gave I don't know what Michael Jordan was thinking because it's like <laughs> what do you do you really want John Luer that much guys okay let's let's make it happen it was a package centered around John Luer and it was bad it's the worst person Robin Williams and that's what they wanted <laughs> yeah it was like basically they were just trying to they were in unload salary version. And anyways, that, that was always my first trade to begin the process of trades to begin the uh, 2K league. But if you legitimately made that happen and like, it, it, let's say Aaron Holiday's a piece because you, you got, I think you do have to send back the, a, a new young point guard on four years of team control. And you're looking all of a sudden at, you know, a little lineup looking something like this where you got Aaron Holiday, Malik Monk, uh, Batum and Bridges, like Batum, still a good contributor, like not at his dollar amount, but like a good a good guy to have on a team. And then you're letting Bridges kind of like find his game at the th- at three four, let him like go back and forth. And then you know you probably can phase out all your other big guys like a Kaminsky. And then you know Cody Zeller, he's got a few more years. He's still a good center in my opinion. Like I think that would give you a nice soft reset that would is 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 kind of just like the Hornets' bread and butter. Soft resets. They don't do hard resets very well because they're bad at drafting. I mean, so the Pacers always do a soft reset, and then we get a good first round, mid first round draft pick somehow. We've lucked out a few years, but it's the Hornets and Michael Jordan. We know which type of players he likes getting. That's right. Yeah. TJ Leaf. All right. Moving along. <laughs> Next. Here we go. Moving along. The Brooklyn Nets, who last year won 28 games, they are at 32 and a half. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't think I said I have also have the under for the Hornets. Uh, moving along, um, Brooklyn Nets thirty-two and a half is their um, is their line. What do you think? I'm going over on the Brooklyn Nets. I know it may be foolish of me, but I can finally see this team turning around and some of the moves that they're making to finally get their future back. It's great, but let's think about. I like their lineup. I think their lineup is a little bit more seasoned. I wish it could have. Done a lot more, but I'm going over. You guys don't hate me. Don't ridicule me. That's what I'm going with. No, dude. I'm going over, too. I think that adding Ed Davis is now you have 48 minutes of competent center play between him and Allen. Um, Fareed can mix in there for some center minutes, too. I think this is a team that will actually use him as a a center because you're going to get away. There's not centers out there these days. I think Karis LeVert and Robbie Hollis Jefferson still play. And, you know, if, if D'Angelo Russell just completely stinks, if he cannot live up to his potential, you still have 48 minutes of reasonably good to decent point guard play between Dimwitty and, and I believe Kenny Atkinson has a, has a – it's like you've seen his fingerprints on how this team plays, getting up and down the court. Um, you know, and they, they added a shooter and a good vet, by all accounts, Jared Dudley as well. Damari Carroll is still, like, available and not dead. So, unless he's going to come to the Heat, which I wouldn't mind for some Tyler Johnson. But um, I, I like this team as a – as a, it's going to be a team that, you know, you don't skip over on League Pass anymore, and that's the best thing about it. Yeah, I, too, am going the over. I like everything that they've done this offseason. And I think that they're basically swapping spots with the uh, with the Hornets. So. Fair enough. Ooh. All right. All right. Next. Magic, um, 31 and a half. They won 25 games last year. I guess you could say they got better in terms of potential outcomes when it comes to Jason Isaac. Should be playing this year. 
Mo Bamba should have some success as a center this, this season while maybe not being perfect fit with their ultra team. Uh, but no point guards, guys. No point guards. Absolutely and, none. That's the thing. You got to bring up – they have potential for some future stuff, but they're still missing some pieces where I'm just – I don't see it this year yet. For me, it's not this year, not yet. I respect um, Steve Clifford as a coach, and in terms of like we t- we had that you know favorite players pod. The only player that's come out at University of Cincinnati that I like, Troy Copain, is on this roster. He's a little combo guard guy. He's on a two way. Um, I like him, but there's nothing like there's nothing else on this team that is 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 you know tasty. You got guys like Vucevic, who is a quality contributor that probably is going to be could be on the move come deadline time because he's an expiring deal. You got to, like there's a team that should be willing to part with some of their like um come like um their expiring deals and trying to like just take on some bad money to give more picks and stuff because they're not close. I don't know if they'll be heady enough to do so, but like Vucevic, Terrence Ross, both both have value. Um, in terms of expiring deals and potential, like you know, niche playoff contributors, and then Evan Fournier, I, I've often said I think he could be pretty solid playing on the right team offensively. But we'll see what happens. I just don't think they go over. They got they got to be an under team. This team with this roster, with the huge hold they have at point guard, if they are not thinking to themselves, we just need one more tank job to 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 you know begin to complete the roster. Like I like this is a team that should recognize there is zero chance that we are getting the, that we're getting into the playoffs. We're not, we're not a good, we're not a good enough team. We don't have a point guard. We need to just tank it. And so whether, you know, I don't know what that means. I like a lot of the young guys that they have, but right now it's just not going to contribute to being a playoff team. So if that's the case, tank away Orlando magic. I think it's a re. I think it, it, what they really need is just a retooling of the guard position, and I think it wouldn't. It would be a good idea to swap Fournier, send him to a team that could maybe win. I again bring up the salaries that Langston Galloway and um, John Luer currently are making. They've and made trades with us in the past that have not turned out super well. <laughs> That's fair, but if you get picks in return, I I think it's worth it because I he's got. Three years, like this year, and two more years left on his deal. I don't think they, they might be touching a playoff position by 2021. But if like, keep in mind, those two contracts I just mentioned will be off the books by then. You can go sign someone, or you know, do whatever you need to do to try to get that at that point. Um, I think I think Fournier, Vooch, and Ross should all be traded this season. I think I think uh, uh, the only person that on their guard rotation that shouldn't get traded is DJ Augustine. I do like him as just kind of a vet that can like you know stabilize some things. But I'd like to have I'd like to see some younger players like other than Jerry and Grant on this roster to like take up the other minutes. This is a team that if they would have money should have went and got Shabazz, even though they've already tried that once. They had the ability to go do something. They just I don't know what they were doing with themselves because Shabazz was not not expensive. And um, would have had a more expanded role in Orlando. They have already tried the Shabazz thing though before he kind of found a niche. And yeah. I don't blame a team for not wanting to rehash things like that. Fair enough. Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a team we should note. Um, they, if they tank bad enough, 
get a t- and they'll be able to hold on to their draft pick. It's uh, top one through ten protected. They won 50 games last year, but one certain LeBron James left. Now Vegas thinks that LeBron is worth about 20 games. 30 and a half is the line. Ethan, what are you hitting? I think I'm hitting the under hard. Um, I think I have mentioned that I kind of like this team to some degrees, just because I like their I like some of their young players a little bit more than, than some people. So like league pass esque. Yeah, I enjoy watching Colin Sexton, but that's actually now that I look at the roster, it's literally just Larry Nance and Colin Sexton and C.D. Osmond that I have any interest in. Um, I think this is a team that is going to be trying to ship off most of its parts. I look at George Hill having a low guarantee at his next season's contract, and he would be a a player that you could see moved. Um, I think think Kyle Korver's a lock to get traded. And... Other than that, like I don't really see any moves they're gonna make. Kevin loves extension. Like I think I kind of think he is gonna be in Cleveland for a decent haul. Like this this year is gonna be trying to win. I'm just not convinced they can do so. Yeah, I think the powers will be will recognize after they try to win a bunch with this team, they're gonna say, wait a second, if we continue this push, we're gonna get maybe eleven or twelfth, and maybe we'll lose our first round pick and it'll be awful. Let's you know, let's tone it back a little bit. Kevin Love, you're going to experience just a little injury, you know, to your, to your, you know, to your ankle or something. And <laughs> and we're just going to do that. And so I think that's what you see out of Cleveland. Um, I'm hitting the under. I, I just think that they they'll come to their senses sooner rather than later with regards to this team. And I will say this, and then Elkin, if you want to pitch in here, um, don't underestimate the the power of LeBron James looking at you and saying, "I need you to be a better player right now." And how much effect that can have on someone? Because I know, like when I played, you know, different different sports, not just basketball. When someone who was clearly the best player on the team or best like athlete in the gym, and they like they kind of like singled me out and said, "Hey, I know you can do better than this. Like, let's let's go win this." Like. You know, having that kind of faith instilled in me, like what, like did, kind of motivate me quite a bit. And you're not going to have the same effect, Colin Sexton, saying those things to you as you do with LeBron James. So now, Tristan Thompson, he's going to be stinky. Um, Jordan Clarkson, he's probably going to put up better numbers, but he's going to be stinky. Um, I, I just and like Larry Nance, who on this team is going to be throwing perfect passes for him to get oops anymore? Like Colin Sexton, maybe, but like I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see with this team. This team does not have a vision. I think that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Like the vision part is the who is it? I just forgot. The, I just forgot the owner's name. Wow, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Dan, Dan Gilbert was adamantly in the whole "we're not going to tank" since the year where everyone's kind of saying this is the year that you tank. This is a perfect opportunity for you to do that because you literally lost your main piece. You have contracts that you can trade. I know guys say they want to be here, but this is the time people are going to be. I mean, they can potentially trade away like a Kevin Love and obviously get a good deal back for him. I would even look to try to trade one Larry Nance Jr., where I felt like he relied heavily on LeBron to hit him up. What? Go ahead. He's going to be there. He, family name. Like, I don't know. He's but, the whole positive thing about that Lakers trade. Mm-hmm. Like that that's not going anywhere, buddy. Uh, and like, I would definitely trade George Hill because I want to give Sexton more of his minutes and let Sexton kind of develop. I know George Hill's a great veteran presence, but that contract at the same time, and it just bothered me that they're gonna try to win. That that's what gets me. And at first, I was worried like for them trying to win, they might mess around and win a few more games. 
but I don't think the if you take LeBron out of the equation and look at their plus minus when LeBron had to sit down, some of the re- some of those games are just horrific. And then watching them play without LeBron, there wasn't that much cohesion. And it's gonna be interesting to see if Kevin Love can go back to Minnesota. Kevin Love, but if you remember that Kevin Love and remember Minnesota, they were a non-playoff team and often lottery bound NBA team. So we could be getting that Kevin Love, but same old Minnesota type of team. Yeah. Uh, I am ready for the J.R. Smith leadership role experience. Moving on uh, <laughs> to the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, they won 29 games last year. Uh, obviously, Chris Porzingis went down um, you know, halfway through the season. Uh, they're at 29 and a half for the under. I got them in the under because Chris Tapps is not playing one single minute this uh, this next season. That that's that's what I say. And it, even if he does, it's nothing worthwhile. Uh, this is a team that also recognizes their need to be bad. So I'm hitting the under on this one. I'm hitting under two. Let Kevin Knox run wild. Just let him just go off and do what he needs to do and learn. This is going to be the East version of what the Mavericks were last year. They're going to play in a lot of entertaining games, and they're going to like put some teams like in some stress situations. But then, uh, <laughs> and then Fizdale's going to be like, "All right, uh, actually, let's bring let's bring Knox out of this one, this play." And then they're going to give the final shot to uh, let's see who what name can I pick? Lance Thomas instead of Knox, and they're going to lose games. I, I mean, like they they don't have like established point guard play. Trey Burke had a nice little run in the season, but you're not going to get anything out of like, I mean, Frank, Frankie, Frankie smokes and ain't ready to lead a team yet. Emmanuel on Baker. Okay. I'm just kidding. I knew that name was coming, but I didn't want to, I just, I, I read that name and just wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I understand. Oh man. <laughs> but like, you gotta realize guys, like this team has like a lot of like, just like heat check. Like this, this reminds me of the Nick young Clippers. This had oh, guys. Because, like, you think about Tim Hardaway, Hazonia, Knox, like, all all three of those guys, like, just pull up and bang. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those kind of teams. And I think they're going to be fun to watch certain nights. Courtney Lee, I think, is the, the piece that's going to get moved at some point. I think he's still a valuable player. I, I look at some team trying to get a hold of him, and we'll see if the Knicks will oblige. We'll see if Joe Kim Noah plays this year, too. Nope. <laughs> Oh, boy. Anything else anyone wants to say about the Knicks before we move on to the next team? Uh, this might be the first time that two WKU players are on the same roster, even though uh, – okay. Can we the, count it? He didn't go to WKU. Okay. I wonder if Jacob Evans and uh, Courtney Lee ever played on the same team. Jacob Evans, dunk champion. Chicago Bulls are the next team. Uh, 27 wins is what they had last year, and their over-unders at 27 and a half. Now – I just want to say I'm going to pick the over here, not because I think that they should. I just think they have too many players that are, you know, val- like they're getting a full season, we think, of Zach Levine. They have Jabari Parker. And, you know, these guys aren't going to, they're going to, they're going to actually want to play. They want to play some basketball. They got Wendell Carter coming in at the center. And obviously, their three situation is a little bit rough. And, you know, the Bulls' love of bad point guards is, you know, well noted. Hey, I, hey, I, I just, hey, they got Derek Walton, Michigan man, and Heat Lifer. Okay, I'm I'm speaking more to, you know, some of the others like like the um I uh, know it's okay. Cameron um, Payne, Ryan Cameron Payne. Diacono. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying, but I didn't even realize that 
Derek Walton had moved to the Bulls, and like I kind of got excited, just like, hey, you might get a play for this stinky team. Listen, they have enough players that I think that like, they're definitely going to outperform last season's you know situation, and they're a team that uh, also realized far too late we got a tank and i mean they were lucky to get wendell carter jr i think a phenomenal pickup for them i just think this team is going to be better than last season and that's all it takes hit the over Whew. you know but they're not gonna have that shot in the arm that, that smack in the face that they had last year when nico came back and he really he propelled them to like what seven wins in a row like I think that's what this, this overrunner comes down to. Is this team does this team have a streak in them? And I don't think they do because they're they're all so young players. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know Nico is a pretty young guy, but like I think what it comes down to is Zach Levine is probably gonna pop off for some big games. Jabari Parker, the same. But we talked about before we start hit record, uh even before Elkin was on the pod, that this team has no defense. It's just Wendell Carter put, Wendell Carter's potential. <laughs> and Chris Dunn's uh, on the front line. But, like, you know, who who's going to guard Giannis? Who's going to guard, you know, any of those – like any of the wings on uh, on the Celtics? And with that in mind, like I just can't – I can't justify saying the over. I but, just think you, you bring in, uh, you know, Jabari Parker, you bring in Wendell Carter Jr. and – Healthy you Levine. In, you bring in a healthy Levine, and that's got to get you at least one win, right? Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Elkin? Elkin, thoughts? I, I was trying to think back and forth. Uh, even though I like window card, I'm going to go the under. I, I just... Mistakes out here. Lest you forget that David Nawaba is not back yet, is he? No, I, I don't think so. I think he went... Did he go to... He went somewhere else, I thought. Did he go to Memphis? I don't know. I don't remember. But I don't I, remember. He was either best like penetrator last year, so like it's just kind of funny to think about that. Like, I mean, it's, this team's stinky. All right, time for the Hawks. Oh, he went to Cleveland. Sorry, Dwan went to Cleveland. Okay, nope. I'm taking the over on Cleveland. <laughs> uh, Atlanta Hawks. They won 24 games last year, um, and. 23 and a half is the line here. Uh, I'm hitting the under just because I think that if any team ever knew that they were going to tank from the beginning, it was the Atlanta Hawks and uh, they, they could win about the same game. They could get, could get to 24, but honestly, who cares? Yep. I'm, I'm on the under. Um, I just don't know where this team is going to really go. I like John Collins. I thought he played, you know, as he's supposed to in summer league, which, you know, is good because you don't want, you don't want your guys not performing when they're second year players and pretty good. But, you know, I think this team is trading, like, going to probably get make a move. And if, if it take, means, like, trading Baysmore for, like, you know, some player who's not as useful to this team, yeah. all really, really bad. And, you know, Jeremy Lin, hopefully he's healthy, probably won't be. But like, I talked about the interesting dynamic of him being able to, like, coach Trey Young on, like, the hype hype train if, if he's up, up for it. Um, DeAndre Bimbry, I think, is the one player on this team, aside from Trey Young and John Collins, like more of like on, on the low level that I'm really going to be looking at this year because I thought he was pretty good when he played at St. Joe's, but he um, hasn't really done anything in the league to date. So I think him and um, Spellman are the, the two like under-the-radar guys I kind of want to watch this year for this team. Th- that's going to be my focus when league pass comes around. 
And I think for me is they need to get one of those top picks. For me, if they get an R.J. Bear or a Zion Williamson in there, because Atlanta's a very fickle crowd. I think need some is the guy they need just for entertainment purposes. Who? Zion Williamson is the guy they need for entertainment purposes. Oh, I know. But like they need, they need a big, they need a big college name or big draft name just coming in there. Because yeah. that team, I know the owners are thinking about what we we can have this year. But we need to start getting more excited. And you're right, getting a Zion Williamson, and he fits in that swingman spot. Even though I thought Zion was like six eleven when I first saw high school, typically only realized that he plays in a private school league where all the other kids are like five foot ten. That's why he looks so tall. But I really want them to get if you add like that one more piece, one of those swing guys. They have something to build on with a Collins and Young if he if he pans out, and then adding a guy like that, like a Williamson, and he lives up to the hype. I'm I mean, happy for the future. Like we're just looking for entertainment out of Atlanta, and we can get we can get thick Zion and thick Atlanta. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Richard! Anything you want to add about the Hawks? Not really. I <laughs> Richard has no interest. <laughs> not, not not particularly. Pays more to the Pistons. That's what we can say to get him interested. All right. I guess that's a lot of money. Anyways. Um, Lure and Langston Galloway. I'm down. I'm down. You got me there. All right. <laughs> With that being said, I think that's it. Upcoming, boys. We got uh, some some uh, what, division division preview pods coming up. Yeah. And then, you know, it's probably going to be those for like the next six then, honestly, unless yeah. something random and crazy happens. Mm-hmm. And then probably once the regular season gets going, or maybe preseason, we actually can maybe roll out a, a real, a real live fake trades pod. Uh, Ethan's been waiting for this one for basically since the trade deadline. That's right. That's right. Yeah. My favorite thing to do. Hopefully, the ESPN trade machine will be even, you know, semi-functional by then. Although, I'll, let me tell you, the Pistons done picked up the one of our new assistant GMs. We have three of them. Is the guy who created the ESPN trade machine, but now he's, you know. He hasn't been there at ESPN for a little bit, and so maybe that's why they haven't made many more advancements. Yeah, I just need Luke Babbitt to not be yeah, 14, fourteen million anymore. Like that just hurts my soul to see. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, boys, good, good talk with you. I already said the quote of the week. That was a Dwight Howard one we said a while back. So if you want to hear it, go back and listen to that one. It was pretty awful. It was, it was very bad. All right, guys. Love you guys. See you later. All right.